Hey guys, we're back. We're back. <laughs> After a long hiatus, it well, seems like. Welcome to season two. Season two. Of our Spirit Guides podcast. I did not know that it would last this long. No. no. We've been busy though since the last. We got a new kitten too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. We got a new kitten and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's uh, super cute. I love her. Yeah, it's been a while since we've been on here. Um, well, if you haven't listened to us, I'm Derek. I'm Amber. And we are with Quad, Quad State. State Paranormal. Paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> that was going to sound really weird if we did it together. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then, you know, welcome to our Spirit Guides podcast. Um, Where did where this is start in season two? Season just in two. time for Halloween. Yep, season two. I hope everybody's having a killer October. Um, the weather's <laughs> I like fi- what you did there. Yeah, you see what mm-hmm. I did there? Yep. A killer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, the weather's finally changing. It's starting to cool off a little bit. It's been, it felt nice outside yesterday. I'm excited. It's finally starting to feel a little bit like October. Yeah, it's about time. Not, yeah, yeah not it's quite. Been hot. It's been a hot yeah. October. Well, um, where we're at anyway. But uh, yeah, if you are just joining us, you know, we talk about a lot of stuff on here, I guess. It's not just really ghosts and stuff, but you know, we try to keep it paranormal related, but a lot of it, you know, it's true crime yeah. stuff thrown like today, in. today it's and, more of true true crimes, I think. Yeah, uh, urban legends. Yeah. Uh, we thought it would be a cool episode to do during Halloween time. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I'd like to also Getting say that... in the that spirit of being creepy for Halloween, so... We, uh, we have listeners in 16 countries. I'm not going to list them all and name them all because I didn't write them down. No. <laughs> but yeah, 16 countries i think the newest ones was italy and ireland italy and though. ireland yeah. yeah i was really excited about ireland because <laughs> i have uh that's i have ancestry from ireland so woo-hoo. Uh, yeah oh you know if you follow us on facebook or uh instagram or anything i made a post about it um we uh you know we probably figured we'd have 10 listeners or so when we started this and that'd be it but uh you know and we've got almost a thousand listeners mm-hmm. and uh in 16 different countries. That's so crazy. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, everyone, for taking the time to listen. And, you know, th- that's why we do it. Not really for ourselves, because we know the stories. But it's fun for us to right. to sit down and, you know, just kind of do a podcast and talk. And, you know, it's good times. Good times. But I don't want to... We have a lot of stories today. Yeah, so let's... So, yeah, we'll go ahead and get started. Yeah, so... How many times have you ever heard a story so outrageous that it couldn't possibly be true? I know I've heard a ton of them mm-hmm, where too. people have told me stuff and I'm like, there's no way that's true. And then, of course, they say, oh, yeah, it's true. It happened to a friend of a friend of a friend's mom's <laughs> dog of mine, you know. Um, but uh, and that's kind of what we're talking about today. Uh, urban legends have been around for centuries, uh, captivating people with storylines that often seem too far out there to even be considered actual fact. Uh, so in the spirit of Halloween, we're going to talk about, uh, some of those urban legends that have stood the test of time and still, uh, resonate with people today. But what makes these, uh, legends stand out isn't their, uh, entertainment factor. It's the fact that these actually happened yeah, in real they life. had to get their basis from somewhere. Yep. And yeah. we're going to dive into a little bit, a lot of these urban legends, you know, people have heard before mm-hmm. some of them i hadn't heard until we started researching it um but some of the ones i have are for like specific locations too right so. yeah um and you know but we tried to throw in a couple that we know everybody's heard 
um, and kind of give you the true story that goes with that. We also got a couple, like I said, that are not, you know, so well known that, but are still kind of creepy. Right. Um, but yeah, so let's, All right, let's, let's go. Get started. Okay. Now the first one that we have, um, is called the kidney highs. Now I know there are, you know, people have probably heard of this one. If you haven't, when I start telling you like the, the legend and stuff of it, you're going to remember. You're going to be like, oh, I've seen a movie. I know there's a yeah, movie. It's I think with Jean Claude Van Damme, yeah. I think it's a, it's called Pound of Flesh or something where this happens to him. I have never seen that. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking so, of the, isn't it on the Urban Legend movie with Jared Leto? Maybe not. Is it on there? I don't know. Maybe I It's don't, been a while since I've I don't watched know. I've that. seen one. I've seen a movie, though. But, not uh, the movie you're talking about, <laughs> though. <laughs> but, um,. Yeah, so here is the legend, and again, this is the kidney highs. Um, this is a story that many, many people are familiar with, like I said. Uh, the story starts with a man who is traveling for business. He sits down at an airport lounge and sips on a drink. As he's finishing his drink, a stranger walks up to him and offers to buy him another. The next thing he knows, he's waking up in a hotel bathtub filled with ice up to his neck. Beside him a phone on a small table and a note taped to the wall telling him not to move and to call 911. The man reaches the 911 operator who has become familiar with this type of crime. That's kind of odd that that happens so much yeah, that the 911 yeah. operator is like, oh yeah, That's I know what scary. this is about. Yeah. <laughs> um, the operator instructs the man to carefully reach behind him and see if there is a tube coming out of his lower back, which obviously the man finds. The operator tells him to remain still and that the paramedics are already on their way. At this point, the 911 operator knows that both the man's kidneys have been harvested. Now, kind of like we, you know, I don't we, think you can live without <laughs> without both without of, both of them. I really don't know. I don't know either. Now, now you can live with just one, but I don't know both. That is the urban legend. Mm-hmm. Now let's jump to in the news. As unbelievable as this story may seem, this was an ex- was an experience of one Indian man named Mohammed Salim Khan in 2008. According to ABC News, Khan, who is a laborer, stood let's see, uh, stood at a gathering spot one day where many laborers uh, waited to be offered job opportunities. He was approached for construction work, which he accepted. He was led to a house, held at gunpoint, and then drugged. When he awoke, he was in a lot of pain and noticed scars around his waist. His kidney had been taken. There were also two other men in the room with him who had just experienced the same fate. The men uh, were then threatened with their lives and told, and they, and were told if they told anyone about the experience, they would be killed. A few hours later, police raided the home and rescued Khan and his roommates, as well as two other men who were in line to get their, to have their kidneys removed. If the police raid had not happened, the two people by the by the name two people by the names of Joy and Susan Matthew of Hawthorne, New York, would have received kidneys from a scam. The married couple had traveled to India to bypass the long wait times the U.S. was experiencing for kidney transplants. 
Wow. And that was a true story in the news that goes along with that urban legend. I wonder what caused the raid. Like, I, I don't know. How, See, I, I wonder that too. I wonder how many more victims there were before that raid actually happened. Well, and as I, you know, was just as I was just reading that story, that's exactly what I thought. You know what? How you know? I mean, obviously, they said the nine one one operator was familiar with this kind of thing. Maybe they had an ongoing investigation about it, and they kind of had it narrowed down. I'm sure, you know, these people probably wished, "Hey, should have got there sooner." Right. But um, you know, that's uh, one of that's you know urban legend that was factual that actually had stories behind it and i actually probably on the black market that was probably still going on oh yeah for sure i've seen the movie teristas i don't know that i've seen that yes you have we watched it together okay i've seen it (laughs) all right (laughs) all right you're up at least i think that's the right movie i'm thinking of (laughs) i hope so since you just mentioned that on on here (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. maybe i should have done a spoiler alert okay i'm sorry if you have never seen that movie <laughs> uh, okay you're up okay so my you by the way you put a lot more detail in your actual urban legend than i did mine are really short and simple uh, so my first one is the boogeyman so we've all heard of the boogeyman it's usually an unstoppable unstoppable mythical creature or monster that terrorizes and spray and preys on children on Staten Island in the 18th, in the, oh my gosh, I am all over the place, in the 1980s, okay. It's, a, it's season two, so, episode one, it's okay. okay, it's been a while. So on Staten Island in the 80s, their boogeyman was a real person though. The urban legend goes that Cropsy was an axe-wielding homicidal maniac that escaped from a mental asylum and he would hunt children and drag them back to his underground lair. So, uh, some parents would use this to, for misbehaving children. Like, you better behave or Cropsy's going to come and abduct you. Well, the legend can probably be traced back to a real creeper named Andre Rand. A real creeper. Yeah. <laughs> he was a janitor for Willowbrook State School on Staten Island. He was suspected of kidnapping multiple children and actually convicted of two of them. He is a suspected uh, serial killer currently serving 25 years to life in prison. He is eligible for parole in 2037. He's the subject of the 2009 documentary Cropsy, which states he may have been the source for that legend. I remember watching uh, there is a documentary that uh, this guy put together. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, but I can't remember what it was on. Well, the thing is, it's like he worked on, he worked at that school. He was the janitor and somehow the school closed down and he still remained like, on the ground. Like the caretaker or something? I guess, but he, he still remained on the grounds. And shortly after that school closed down, children started going missing. Now, is, that's kind of like the storyline for that new Nightmare on Elm Street that they redid a few it's years. It's not new. I mean, well, it's a like, few years ago. It's, it's, it's the it's newest really one. It's really old. It's, it's still an old movie. It's the new. Really know. old. It's like two thousand eight or something. Uh, okay. But uh, it uh, but that was kind of the thing. Kinda. I think he was well, the caretaker or something at a school, and he had that they, secret room in the basement. They did find uh, the remains of a girl. I think her name was Jessica. I don't have her last name, but. I think she was a 12-year-old, I'm wanting to say. They found her remains in a shallow grave on the property. Um, 
and he was he was actually he was tried for her murder but i don't think that there was enough evidence to you know prove him guilty of the murder but he suspected it but he was actually convicted of for sure two kidnappings and they think he is responsible for a lot more kidnappings and for some murders you know he's a suspected serial killer but he was never i don't think he was ever charged with any murders well that's crazy um i was trying to see what year that movie came out but i can't find it right now but um the stuff like that, you know, again, is another thing of where, you know, that stuff is really going on probably today. Oh, yeah. You know, so, again, these are just urban legends, though, that are being tossed out and, you know, and being told over a period of time. Of course, they changed over different time frames and stuff, but it's actual stuff. Right. You know, it's like every, with every urban legend, like, more stuff gets added to it. Right. And... Yeah. Um, this next one... uh everybody has heard of it's on a lot of scary movies um it's the call from inside the oh, house yeah um the legend uh it's nighttime and a babysitter is in the family is in the family living room as the children uh she's caring for sleeping upstairs the phone rings and she picks it up have you checked the children a menacing voice asks feeling uneasy she hangs up the phone this happens a few times until she gets a call telling her that the, that he has killed the children and will kill her soon, too. At this point, she is too scared to check on the children and calls the police. They tell her to keep the man on the line as long as possible if he calls back so they can trace where the call is coming from. After another phone call from the man, the police call came back to tell her to get out of the house right away. When she meets a police officer outside the house, he tells her they were able to trace the call to an upstairs phone line. Police catch the man and find that he has already murdered the children. So he's in the house the whole time. Yeah. Well, I don't have a story for a phone call from the house, but I do have one about a text. And it goes along with this. It does. Yeah, yeah. kind of, you know, the a urban text legend. from inside the house. Yeah, so that's a text message. That's kind of getting up to date here. And because it was in 2014. Oh, here we go. In July 2014, a teen in Els England, got texts from Kyle Ravensport, who claimed he was watching her. He told her he would hang himself outside her window so she'd wake up and see his body swaying in the breeze. Wow. <laughs> the creepy text scared her so bad that she slept in her mom's room that night. And thankfully she did because the next morning they found him hiding under her bed. Whoa. And I don't know what happened after that. I wish there well, was a little bit more yeah, information. I'm assuming, you know, since that is a true story that, you know, they, she's okay and he was arrested considering they found him under her bed. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe it, was, maybe it was her dad or somebody that found him under the bed and was able to hold him or whatever yeah. until the police Hopefully got there. He but got charged or something. I should have just looked a we'll little have to bit more. more into yeah, we'll have to look more into that and see what we yeah. can find out. Um, but if you think a call or text from inside your house is bad, what would you do if you found out someone was living inside yeah. your house? <laughs> 
So I'm sure most of you have heard about this urban legend before, and there have been many movies about it, about a, a serial killer psycho living inside the walls or in the attic or basement or secret room in your house, just living, waiting, and watching your every move. Well, for some people, this terror is all too real. And it can, and actually, like, there can is... Can you imagine? Well, I mean, there's a lot of movies. Well, not like a lot, but there are a few movies yeah, well, about yeah. it. And, like, the first documented account... Well, I mean, there have been a doc, there's been a documented account all the way back to 1922 in Bavaria, Germany. So the story begins six months prior to the murder of the Gruber family. When the maid quit because she believed the family's house was haunted. When a new maid was brought in, she mentioned hearing footsteps in the attic. More bizarre things happened that winter, like footprints in the snow leading from the woods to the house appeared, as did a strange newspaper found in the house. Someone tried to break into a tool shed on the farm, too, but in the end, nothing seemed to come of it. Not until March 6th of 1922, when each family member was lured to the barn where they were killed one by one. All five family members were murdered, along with the newly hired maid. The bodies were discovered a week later, and the crime was never solved. If, it weren't, if that wasn't creepy enough, the weekend of the murders, neighbors reported that someone fed the cows and let the dog out, and smoke was seen rising I from the chimney. I remember that. I mean, I wasn't alive then, but I remember hearing that story. I almost said I remember that story. <laughs> but I remember hearing that story. I've read that... Uh, on numerous different things. They've actually got crime scene photos. So they um, were online. They were you know, had been dead all yeah. that whole week or weekend or yeah. whatever, but the neighbors still somebody was at their house. Well and I remember reports, you know, they had uh smoke was coming from the chimney and stuff and yeah, I remember reading that. That's crazy. Well the bad thing is is that's not the only story. Oh <laughs> wow. So the true crime roots of this urban legend can be traced back um, to 1941, too, when Denver drifter Theodore Conies snuck into an old acquaintance home and set up shop in the attic, emerging only when the homeowner would leave. And I, I mean, I guess he didn't hurt anybody. That's no, the just probably com coming out and getting some food or something. Yeah. Then there's this ABC news story from 2015. Where a man entered a home in New Jersey, crawled under a bed, and remained in hiding for three days. No one was harmed, but the intruder did charge his cell phone using an outlet at the base of the bed. What the heck? Yeah, that's that's creepy. I'm pretty sure he could have went to like a rest area to mm -hmm. charge his phone or McDonald's. You know, they have free Wi-Fi and hookups. This uh, website, Bustle.com, is that a good, like, I, I don't know, no I've never idea. really heard of it, but I did find this on here. It says that they've had three high-profile high cases of strangers secretly living inside the homes of others in uh, the past decade alone. In 2008, a man in Japan found out he was actually sharing his home with a 58-year-old woman who had been hiding in his cupboard for at least a year. In his cupboard. I know, like that's what I'm like. A cupboard is usually like a small area, right? Wow. Unless it goes behind something or yeah, in the wall, into the wall or something, huh? Or it goes from like the cupboard up into the attic. I can see that. 
In 2013, a group of Ohio State University students found that a man had been secretly living in their basement. And also in 2013, a woman in Yelm, Washington, found out that someone was not living in this, not only living in the space under her house, but they had actually tampered with the heating ducts to make it more comfortable down there. Wow. Yeah. I guess they were getting too cold down yeah. there. So guys, That's crazy. always uh, lock your doors, check your basements, check your attics. <laughs> Man, you can't just check your car windows and doors yeah. anymore, you know, and make sure that there's nobody in there. Check your little cupboards. <laughs> we may need to do a walkthrough when we get done here. Check every single <laughs> cabinet you have. Yeah, apparently. Who would have thought of that? I'm going to live in the cupboard yeah. for a year. I know. And then, can you imagine? So they're going to the grocery store. They come home. They're putting up some groceries. They open the cupboard, put it in there, and she's just sitting there in the corner like, ooh, new food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, it's like, I know that, well, the first story, they all got murdered, but the other ones, they didn't. But that's still creepy just to well, think Well, absolutely. It, yeah. Regardless you. if it was a, a murder or anything, I mean, yeah, just to know that somebody you did not know is is living in your home and you don't know they're there. I might not have been murdered, but I would have died of embarrassment because <laughs> I like I dance around and I sing and I'm all like stupid and silly when I'm by myself and I'd be embarrassed to think somebody saw me dancing around and stuff. Hmm. <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on. Uh, this one's kind of gross, uh, especially if you don't like insects. Yeah. <laughs> this one is insects in your head. Uh, the legend, it's uh, the 1960s, a time when go-go boots and Nancy Sinatra hair were a thing. A big school dance was just a month away, and one fashionable teenage girl wanted to make sure that her hair would be perfect. So she got uh, a head start on her hairdo. One night before bed, the girl washed her hair with sugar water, put it straight, put it up straight, and wrapped it up before bed. That was a weird sentence. Sugar water. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Uh, if you are 90 years old and you are listening to this podcast, go ahead and shoot us an email. Let us know what sugar water in your <laughs> hair is. Because I don't know anybody this decade. I don't either. I've never heard of that. that. Never. <laughs> All right. When she awoke, uh, her hair had formed into a hard beehive style. Over the next weeks, the girl uh, did not wash her hair and would go through several cans of hairspray to keep her hairdo in check. Okay, so this girl's got her hair up. She started it weeks before the dance. Is that what it said, really? Yeah, it says over the weeks, it says over the weeks, the girl did not wash her hair and would go through several cans of hairspray to keep her hair in check. Wowzers. But then she began to feel sick and had terrible headaches probably from all the hairspray mm-hmm. she was breathing in uh one day in class the girl got another headache it was the worst one yet the girl yelled in pain and her head fell onto her desk blood could be seen running down her cheeks as it turns out a family of bugs had made a home in the girl's hair and had been eating away at her scalp all the way into her brain does it say what kind of bugs no. Oh, okay. That's the urban legend. Unfortunately, there is a true story. <laughs> um, in early 2015, 31-year-old uh, Yadera Rostro 
Uh, well, she wasn't using sugar water. <laughs> not in 2015, I <laughs> hope not. Um, let's see, she was from Texas. She began suffering from very painful headaches as well as nausea and dizziness. It wasn't until August when she eventually saw a doctor about the symptoms. According to the Daily Mail, doctors believed she had a brain tumor when they saw the results of her CT scan that they had ordered. However, her condition worsened and her eyesight would sometimes be impaired. But when doctors ordered another MRI scan, they saw the results. The, um, they saw that she didn't have brain cancer. She had tapeworm eggs at the base of her brain. Doctors had to perform surgery to take these eggs out, which looked like clear sacks of jelly. Ew. As to how she uh, got these parasites... She had visited a family in Mexico two years prior and believed she may have ate contaminated food. The parasites traveled through her bloodstream and into her brain through the gastrointestinal tract. Ew. Two years? So and she, that's not what I want to hear when I have, like, headaches every single day. <laughs> right, yeah. So, for two, like, man. So that's the part they could trace that back to. It's like, no, nothing for two years. Yeah. So this had been going on for two years and just gradually got worse, I guess. Yeah, it's gross to think that something was inside your head, but to know it's been there for two years, that right. makes it even, oh. you know, even more gross. Yeah. <sighs> hey, that happens on the beach, too, not with tapeworms, but hookworms. That's been in the news before. Yeah. People bury themselves into the sand, and then they break out in that little, like, rash and, yep. like, the little splotches and stuff, and it's because of hookworms. Ah. All right, well, let's change the subject okay. to some murder. I think it's my turn. <laughs> the Lover's Lane Oh, well, there we go. Okay, yeah. So, I think there's a different take on this all the time, but usually it's, like, the lovers go, and they park their car in a certain spot, and they're, like, making out or whatever, and then, you know, they hear a noise, and... You know, either the guys being macho brave going to go check it or the girl's like, no, you got to go check it out. Right, yeah. <laughs> so he gets Every out. Every man for himself. He gets out and checks it out. And, you know, the you know it's been a while. And then finally the girl hears like a tap, tap, tap noise on the top of the car. And then she gets out and she sees that her boyfriend is like hanging there and is like, uh, his hand or some part of his body is like, ta you know, hitting his the, foot's hitting the, hitting hitting the, top, the top of the, of the car. car. Yeah. 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 And it's usually I like some, some killer with a hook or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, so that's the urban legend. Um, which by the way, that is on urban legends, the movie. Is it really? It is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that one. But a series of murders that act that actually occurred in the Texarkana region of the Texas-Arkansas border in 1946 is most certainly one of the catalysts for the lovers, lo lovers. <laughs> lovers Lane urban legend. <laughs> in a period of three months, an unknown criminal or criminals murdered five people and seriously injured three more in attacks on couples in their cars. And it says homes, too. Most historians believe the Phantom Killer was able to get in and out of town without being caught thanks to a rail railway hub that once sat in the middle of Texarkana. Regardless of where he went, the, city's own, uh, the city owns its legacy, and every year 
the town that dreaded sundown, a 70s exploitation movie about the events, is shown in Spring Lake Park, where most of the crimes took place. Well, yeah, I've, I've we, seen, we've watched yeah, that we watched documentary. watched a documentary about that, mm-hmm. the town that dreaded sundown. Um, but, uh, yeah. I, I don't wonder think if, that's something that needs to be celebrated. You no, know, like they would do that every I think it's just a creepy spring. thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's creepy that, you know, they do it. But no one ever was caught for that or charged. I don't know. I'd have to look into that too. Mm-hmm, I really too. don't know. Um, but yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, it's weird to celebrate something like that. And it may just be a creepy thing that, you know, that the town's known for. So they seems like I watched a movie not too long ago that had where well, they were watching it, but then there was actual a killer that was out. We did. And I don't know what it is. You know, that mm-hmm. was kind of mimicking the the stuff man yeah i don't remember what that is huh oh well anyway yeah moving on move on dead body under the bed that is one that another one that everyone has kind of heard of um the legend you know a couple of uh checks into a hotel room and notice a foul odor in the in their room uh that they but they went ahead and slept there all night which is weird anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they call the staff the next morning to complain. Somebody comes up to check it out, and they figure out the stench is coming from the bed. How would you not know that when you were laying on it? Right. Anyway. Yeah, I w- I, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't have like this, stayed. This mattress <laughs> smells terrible, which means there's no telling. One, you're like, who just lays there and goes, ah, we'll just sleep here tonight. Ew. There's no telling what was done on that bed. <laughs> To make it smell like that, <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, yeah. all right. Oh. Okay, moving on. Uh, when let's see, uh, yeah, staff came up to check it out, and they figured out that the the smell was coming from the bed. When the staff uh, take the mattress off the bed, they discover the couple had been sleeping over a rotting body of a dead girl who had been stuffed in the box springs. Wow. Um. Now, the true story to this, uh, let's see, this says, In the Baby Train, uh, folklorist Jane Harold Brunvin wrote that he first heard the dead body under the uh, bed, under the hotel bed legend in 1991. Um, Every version that came to him, you know, mentioned a Las Vegas hotel, but the lack of proof made him think that it was just a tale. Fact of the matter is that this has happened a few times. In fact, it has happened uh, previously. It was previously reported in Kansas City, Atlantic City, and Florida. And Colorado and Virginia. <laughs> you stole my story I have with this, too. Do you have something to go along with I it? do. So go yeah. ahead and tell yours, no, that's then it. I'll go, add, too. No, go ahead. Oh, you don't have anything? No, that okay. was that was all I had on that. Oh, okay. Well, I have, you know, where it says that um, there was a dead, bo- a dead body uh, in a mattress in Atlantic City in 1999. Cases in Colorado, Florida, and Virginia have also been reported. In 2010, guests at a budget lodge in Memphis were horrified to discover they had been sleeping above the body of Sonny or Sony Millbrook, a missing person. Fabric softener had been stuffed in the ceiling tiles to try to mask the smell. I don't think that's going to help any. No. At least three. Okay, this is great. At least three other uh, occupants had also rented the room since Millbrook's disappearance. 
A court eventually convicted Millbrook's boyfriend, Lakeith Moody, of the crime. Wow. Like, how do you just, how do you not know? How does it stay there for that long before they find it? Okay. Um, Let's see. I have more. And, Okay. In a 2010 NBC News report about a missing Tennessee woman found dead with her body stuffed into the bed frame within a hotel is certainly true. There's also the story of, I'm guessing that one was about the one I just read. Yeah, okay. I would think so, yeah. There's also the story of serial killer Richard Kuklinski, who poisoned a man, strangled him with a lamp cord, then stuffed his body into a mattress in a New Jersey motel. But wait, there's more. <laughs> um, let's see. It talks about a body of Gary Smith, a car thief, poisoned and oh, this is the same one, poisoned and strangled by his associates, then left under the bed of a New Jersey motel room that was rented about four times before he was found. Wow. <laughs> the two bodies discovered in 1989 were the work of the same killer. Jerry Lee Dunbar, he left 27-year-old Deidre Smith under the floor of a motel room and 29-year-old man, Marilyn Graham, under the bed of an Econo Lodge. That's the second one I've heard about, Econo Lodge. We're <laughs> yeah, not staying we're not in one ever of those, staying ever. There. Yeah, we're not staying there. The, in the, let's see, two separate incidents in 1994 both involved German tourists in well, that doesn't even give me any information on that one. <laughs> but this one says in 2003, Good research. Good research. a man spent three nights in a Kansas City room before the smell became so unbearable he checked out. When the room was cleaned, a man in an, in an advanced stage of de, a decomposition was found under the mattress. Hmm. Also, Econolodge. No, I'm joking. I don't know if that was really what that one was. <laughs> yeah, that that site didn't give me as much information as some of the other ones. But If you've ever stayed in Econolodge and you found a dead body under your bed, <laughs> shoot us an email. <laughs> we want to hear or your story. Or if you ever do in the future stay at an Econolodge <laughs> and find a strange, uh, have a strange odor in your room. Your best, your best bet. Chances are there is a body under your bed. <laughs> the, your best bet is to go ahead and check the ceiling tiles for uh, some downy fresheners. We're gonna get sued <laughs> by a Connell Lodge. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are just kidding. Or are we? <laughs> According to these stories, we are not. So I'm not sorry. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> um, I've got. Did you have a buried alive story? No. You don't? Okay, well, I do. Well, I've got one before that. That would be your cell phone going off. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've got one about um, accidental hangings. Okay, well, I have, um, I have one about back from the dead. So I don't really, I mean, we've heard, you know, urban legends about people come. I don't have a specific urban legend about <laughs> people coming back from the dead. But, um, you know, I've seen movies about it. Or they're in the middle of, you know, embalming or something. Or getting ready to start embalming. And, like, the person wakes up. Oh, yeah. I, I think there's even a crime show where the person ended up not being dead. Okay. But anyway... So, news coming out of Caracas, 
if I pronounced that right, I have no idea, may have sounded crackers in 2000. That's what it says, may have sounded crackers in 2007. <laughs> but it was shockingly true. A dead man had woken up. So the body of Carlos Camejo was being processed by officials after what was listed on the paperwork as a fatal road accident. It got as far as him going under the knife during his post-mortem when the 33-year-old Venezuelan finally stirred. He says, I woke up because the pain was unbearable. He told local paper El Universal. While that came as a shock to the morticians, most surprised was Carlo's wife who arrived to find her dearly not so departed alive and well in the morgue's corridor after being asked to identify his body. Wow. Yep. So either she was um she was in on his death to have him killed or and she was upset to see him alive <laughs> right. or she was very happy to see him alive. Which one we don't know. <laughs> well, and I'm just kidding with that. Too. I got this little thing that kind of goes with that. It says back in the day um this happened, you know, talking about uh, buried alive and stuff. It happened at an alarming rate. In the late 19th century, uh, William Tebb compiled a list of premature burials from several medical sources. He managed to collect 219 cases of near premature burials, 149 cases of actual premature burials, oh. and a dozen cases where dissection or embalming had begun on not yet deceased people. Wow. Yeah, that's some... So what happens to those? Like if they start the... um, I mean, they can stop it in time and the person can be saved? Do we know? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Hopefully (laughs) those people are, you know, survived that. I'm assuming. Does it say what years did it? Did you say a year? That no, that it just happened? said late 19th century. Okay. Um, is all it said. Uh, and that's all I'm, I had on that. Oh, okay. But I do have one more. Um, and this one's accidental hangings. Um, the legend: a young man pretends to hang himself in front of an audience, and he accidentally, you know, hangs himself for real. Um, the truth is, this has happened more than once. Um, according to this news outlet, the uh, closest fit to the to an urban legend was a teenager working um, a Halloween hayride died while performing a fake hanging stunt. Um, and I read, you know, a few more stories, and they're all kind of the same. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where somebody's doing a ho- or a haunted uh, house or something, and they're acting like they're uh, being hanged or whatever. Well, you know people that are coming through it probably looks real right you know it's all part of the show or whatever when in actuality they really are hanging because they've slipped or the stuff that they had connected to them broke or you know that's kind of anytime you put yourself in that kind of position you know it's something to be leery of i guess always I have a pocket found... knife there you go <laughs> i did find a lot of those stories too and one was in i think one was in a theater too and one was a hayride attraction and stuff. But you were talking about the beginning of this, how someone says, you know, a friend of a friend. Well, oh, yeah. I have heard this story from my dad. Like, he knew someone that, that said that 
their son, like on Halloween or something, their son was at the end of the driveway and was pretending to, you know, do a hanging or something. And, you know, they went in and their son stayed down. I think he was a teenager, but uh, he stayed down there um, and, you know, did the Halloween. I don't know if he was passing out candy or what he was doing, but they found him like the next morning. He had accidentally, well, hopefully it was, you know, an accident, accidentally hung himself. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say to uh-uh. something like That's that. Sad. That's sad. Yeah. All right, so you've got one more. I do. I have the Bloody Mary. So we know that story. Everybody you knows that Looking in the mirror and you say Bloody Mary. Is it three times? I think so, yeah. Three times. See, I said everybody knows that. And you're like, is it three times? I don't know if it's I, three I times I mean, everybody's heard Bloody Mary. <laughs> yeah. And I even did it as a kid, but I don't remember. Right, but you yeah. say three times and are you just supposed to see? You're supposed to see her face, right? Right, or, yeah. So I or yeah. her behind you There's or many something. different stories that go along with it, so. All right. I'm not as prepared, so I have to go back to my screenshots here. <laughs> Enter Jeopardy music. So something strange does actually happen if you stare into the mirror and say Bloody Mary. Let's see. But it is okay. Let's see. You're not going to see Bloody Mary. Hey, here it is. If you say Bloody Mary three times, three in a times. Mirror. Hey, right. I was right, but it is possible. Nothing's gonna happen if you stare in the mirror and say Bloody Mary three times. But it is possible to see a face that isn't yours if you stare at your reflection long enough. This phenomenon was think was termed the strange face illusion by psychologist Giovanni Caputo, or however you say his name. He defined the fact. He defined the effect after studying test subjects in a dimly lit room with a mirror. During the experiment, he asked them to look at the glass for just under a minute. Then he recorded what they reported seeing. Most participants saw their own faces become very deformed, while some saw images of living or deceased parents and relatives, animals, or even monsters. The Italian psychologist... Um, thinks that the brain's face recognition center will detect small changes when staring at the same image for too long and interpret one's own reflection as a new face. Whether or not you chant the name of a ghost is immaterial, though. Huh. Now I kind of want to go in there and do that. <laughs> I know I uh, I posted something on our Instagram page, which is, you know is under Quad State Paranormal, um, that had to do with that in, back in August. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that was interesting that, you know, your brain just kind of plays a little trick on you. Some of those people said they saw animals or monsters. Maybe they look, <laughs> maybe, maybe that was the reflection. I don't know. <laughs> They've been using the Snapchat filters for too long. <laughs> that's what the it Snapchat, is. Like the bears and bunnies uh, yeah, and dogs. <laughs> that's what it is. All right. I do have something else, uh. That was the main part, you know, of our Urban Legends part. Now, I do have something else uh, that I want to add to it. Um, you know, trick-or-treating is a time-honored, once-a-year tradition when, for just one night, children can ask for and receive candy from strangers. Uh, you know, pretty much relying on the kindness of strangers, they'll only go so far. Uh, 
you remember trick or treating when you were little? Hell, we still do it now, actually. Yeah. But we know we just don't get the candy part of it, except for what the kids bring back. But, uh, but well, the funny thing with that is a lot of times, you know, because we're dressed up too with the kids, and we'll you know walk up there with them, and a lot of times they'll ask us if we want candy oh, right, too. Right. Yeah. So. Um. But what what was one of your favorite candies you got? Well, the Reese's when you, and really, Kit yeah. Kat I think Snickers. that's everybody's. Um. Yeah. Those were those were always the big ones. Always like the little Twix too that people get. Um. But what's the first thing that your parents did, or I know my parents did, when you got back home with a bag of candy? Check the candy. Check the candy. Um, you know, every Halloween you got home, you had to dump it out, and your parents acted like the strictest of Oompa Loompas and <laughs> went through and checked everything for you. Um, you know, throwing out uh, anything that was not wrapped, um, fresh baked goodies, uh, like I said, suspiciously wrapped candies, unmarked treats, just in case it contained poison or sharp needles. Um, so I've got some stories here that I wanted to go over that kind of go along with some of those Halloween things. Um, the first one, though, is kind of a, not re- doesn't really have anything to do with that. It's something, again, it's kind of an urban legend for candy, I guess you'd say. Um this is so. Uh, this is just an urban legend and does not have any truth to it. Right, well, depends. Okay. Okay. Um, this is um, the only one really that you actually only candy urban legend that you kind of wish as a kid was true, if that makes sense. Um, we remember spending hours hunting through Tootsie Roll pops, looking for that rare drawing of the end in with the bow mm-hmm. with the star on it. Um, because I always heard if you got that one, if you took it into the store, you'd get a free Tootsie Pop. Right now, see that's what I've I always never heard. did it though. I never apparently took it in. though, um, anyone who found such a wrapper could receive free Tootsie Rolls for life. Was one of them a free Tootsie Pop, a new shiny bicycle, um, and they said that that was a prize that seemed to change depending on the year and what the economy was going on. Um, nonetheless, um. That was all a rumor. Nobody knows where it started from. Nobody knows where it came from. But some stores, they said even some stores today still honor the myth. Oh, that wow. if you do find one, you know, and you bring it in, they'll give you another free one. Um, if it has that little Indian guy on it. Did you ever find it? Oh, I found it numerous I times. I did too. All the time. I really, I, I, the joke probably is it's probably on every damn wrapper yeah. you find. But, um, did you ever take it in? No, I didn't either. <laughs> like I wanted to find it, yeah. but I that never. That was always the thing. As soon as you opened it, you looked and seen, you know, if it was there or not. And that was about it. <laughs> you know what? Just going back to that wrapper, I always thought that would make a cute bandana. And I think they act like all. I always thought it would be the cutest bandana just to make the Tootsie Roll Tootsie pop Roll wrappers pop rapper. in different colors. And I think they you might. You better trademark that no, for think, somebody. No, I think, they, I think they might actually do it, though. Oh, they might. I, I think I'm I might sure. have seen it. But I, before I ever had seen it, always thought it would be a very cute bandana. All right. Well, who has not heard the legend of Pop Rocks and Soda? Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's another one. If you're going to dress up in your 1980s garb for Halloween, you might want to at least uh, keep a pack of Pop Rocks on you to compliment those leg warmers. Uh, because this Halloween, uh, uh, combined the fizzy candy with a can of Coke to really scare you know the new generation people. Um, the myth that someone, uh, maybe Mikey, 
from life sir do you remember those commercials no. The Mikey commercials? Okay. I don't. Uh, maybe Mikey from the live serial commercials or your cousin's best friend's sister or roommate's stepbrother exploded after chugging a Coke with Pop Rocks. I think I've heard it with Mentos, too. It what? is just a myth. Sadly enough. Um, as, Sadly <laughs> as manufacturers of Pop Rocks assure us, Mikey, like I know you, didn't, you don't remember the commercials, but for anybody who knows the commercials, did not... In fact, explode. Rather, he is living uh, a less explosive life as a corporate attorney somewhere in New York. Hmm. But yeah, so you can't die from eating Pop Rocks and Coke. Like, you know, the urban legend says. Okay. Um, now, this... I wouldn't have thought so. <laughs> right, yeah. That's just one of those urban legends. Um, the legend of Halloween, of the Halloween drug pusher... <laughs> And what might be the most expensive urban legend on the list, a more, uh, it's a, it's a version of, let's see, basically pot and other drugs into candy bars, cookies, and other treats, uh, to give your kids a sugar high and then some little extra, (laughs) uh, in reality, uh, let's see, mostly in the world of urban legends of course there have been very few incidences of strangers knowingly handing out marijuana laced candy to unsuspected trick-or-treaters and most official warnings focus on uh, drug distributions Uh, see case in point a postal employee took home an unsent box of what appeared to be snickers bars so i guess he was at work and they didn't have a label or something so he took it home yeah probably huh but uh, and handed the he handed them out before uh, watchful parents found um, half an ounce of marijuana worth two hundred and fifty dollars stuffed in each candy bar, oh, wow. uh, a trick and and a treat all rolled into hmm. one. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that I guess that's the only actual case that that's really happened. But yeah. Yeah, I saw something that had reported that a girl had found some, like, meth or something in her candy. I don't, yeah, I don't believe that. that. Like I said, I mean, what drug person is going to do that? Yeah. Whenever you're, you're, you're just, doing what you can to buy, I mean, not me personally, but you're, <laughs> you're doing, you're doing what you can, you know, because if you're, if you have these kind of drugs, usually you're scrounging for money right. to get that. You're not going to hand them out in some candy bars. Well, I know how, I guess how drug dealers work is they want to get somebody hooked on something. So they keep coming back to them. Yeah. If you're handing it out in Halloween candy, no one's going to know that they got it from you. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they're not going to keep that, coming. Yeah. So they're not going to keep coming back to you to get it. Cause yeah. So I don't think that there's well, for all the drug dealers listening, there is please do not put drugs in candy. there's a well there's you're wasting money wasting mm-hmm. money now we sound like we're supporting drug dealers <laughs> uh okay well moving on razor blades yeah i've heard that razor one. blades and candy every halloween we hear variations and of, i always just wonder how it gets in there like how are they able to put it in there without anybody knowing it have you never seen the, it have you ever you've never seen the uh, they have this thing, this documentary where people would open them and then push razor blades in there and then use hot glue guns. Oh, okay. To, or to they, reseal or them. Or one of just one of those little sealer things, I guess, for 
you know that they sell for to keep your fruits and veggies or oh, I yeah. think your vegetables you put veggies in a bag that's if you're and a, you you're a homemaker and you're at home or something and so they they do sell those little things and, that yeah. seal it so I guess they could very they'd have to very yeah. so carefully open them well that's 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 if you're just a housewife and you're like oh I think I'm just going to throw some razor blades in here they're the only ones that own that stuff people who or housewives. They're the only ones that own, own those pre-sealer so things. So only women, like, cook and stuff? Yes. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> okay, moving on. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, some poor kid, let's see, was a victim of a, of a prank who put a razor. Oh, th- this is the stories. Um, every Halloween, we hear variations of the story. Some poor kid falls victim uh, to a prank uh, who put a razor pins, gl- shards of glass, or other sharp objects in an apple or candy bar. Until 2000, this was largely an urban legend. Most of the ca- reported cases were attributed uh, to innocent pranks and hoaxes. At the turn of the century, however, James Joseph Smith gave the myth the credibility it lacked. He stuck needles in candy bars, in Snickers bars, and gave them to trick-or-treaters. An unfortunate teenage boy bit into the bar. Luckily, he was not seriously harmed. Smith was charged with uh, altering a substance with the intent to cause harm. I can see that because you could put needle, you could stick that through the package Absolutely. and into the candy bar. Yep. And unless you're looking for a little bitty, right? You you'd know, never know. Yeah, unless you'd see that little bitty tiny hole. And this one kind of goes with that too. Um, by far the most popular Halloween candy urban legend. Uh, spins tales of a stranger who laced candy with poison and distributes uh, the goods to children dressed up as cowboys and princesses. Uh, the actual report reported number of strangers doing such a thing on Halloween is pretty much zero. Um, let's see. Only, I know this says only, but it's still bad. Only two children have died as a result of Halloween candy poisoning. Uh, but the perpetrators were relatives and not strangers. In the most famous story, a father motivated by a uh, $20,000 life insurance policy laced his son's pixie sticks with a lethal dose of cyanide. Uh, well, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, the best social science evidence reveals that taking candy from strangers is... Uh, with the rates is perfectly okay. It's the family oh, you get candy wow. from you have to worry about. Um, yeah, so that's... Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I remember reading that story about uh, that kid. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty sad. Uh, why the myth, myth persists uh, despite evidence to the contrary is perhaps more fascinating than the myth itself uh they believe like any other sticky idea the myth stays in the popular psyche because it is simple and unexplained uh with with concrete vivid detail that can be spun into infinite variations on a theme um one news source chalks it up to stubbornly blind trust in large uh, corporations that we just trust that they're not going to have anything in their candy and we just eat it, you know. Nonetheless, considering uh, that the potential harm is so great and the the cost of prevention so small, 
it probably doesn't matter that uh, this myth is the product of our collective imagination. Um, you know, they say uh, historically, uh, psychopaths don't go to the trouble to bake cookies or soak uh, lemon drops in LSD. Um, hovering, nervous, worried mother. Um, so, let's see. Yeah, it just goes on to say, you know, if you get any candy that's unwrapped or anything, make sure you throw it in the right. trash. Um, so, sorry for that big pause there. Um, Can I add a story real quick? Yeah, or go ahead. Can, okay. <laughs> so, my mom was kind of overprotective when, like, growing up. And, like, she would always tell us not to take candy or anything from strangers, right? Right. If it would have been one of our, like, the friends from the neighborhood, uh-huh. we would have taken candy from them. Absolutely. But I remember one time... My sister, so there was a girl in our neighborhood. We did not know her well, so she was not, like, one of our friends. I mean, we were nice, you know, to her, of course, but, you know, we didn't hang out with her. She wasn't, like, one of our friends. Right. We thought her dad was really weird. Her dad was very strange, very, very strange. And I remember one day this girl came down to our house, and she was offering my sister candy. So I immediately thought, like, her dad put something in it, you know. And so I ran in real And I was little, but I ran in real quick and told my mom that my sister was about to take some candy from her. So I think we ended up taking the candy and just we just didn't need it. <laughs> so I'm sorry if, like, there's a lady out there who, who remembers the story. So I'm sorry that we thought your dad was weird. <laughs> but if you go back and you think about your childhood and you think about um, how many times – you know, somebody handed you a piece of candy and you just ate it, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, you didn't even think about it back yeah. then. Um, and, you know, and realistically, a lot of times, you know, parents, depending on who's handing them the candy, don't think twice mm-hmm. about it either. Um, but, um, I mean, I know us as parents and I know my parents, they, I mean, they always checked our candy, yeah. you know? And, and like I said, unfortunately, you know, because of these urban legends and stuff, uh you do run into people do go out and they buy ingredients and stuff and they bake cookies and stuff to hand them out in little baggies. And unfortunately, a lot of that ends up in the trash. Yeah, I don't think, yeah, we can't, you can't do that nowadays. Even schools don't allow it. Well, well even when I was little. The, our school doesn't allow that now. Well, even, but, even when I was little, if we were trick-or-treating and we got um, an apple or any kind of baked goods, uh-huh. they went straight in the trash. Yeah. Well, I mean, because you never know, yeah, unfortunately. But it's all contributed to these urban legends. Yeah. That but, have been passed down for years and years. But at school, you know, like the school parties and stuff, when I was a kid, I know the PTA parents and stuff, the room moms, and uh, they would bake. Like for all the school parties, they would bake all the – and they were good. They oh, were yeah. good, you yep. know. If they were baked for a school party, we'd eat them. Oh, yeah. But, yep. yeah, I can't do that nowadays. Anytime a treat is brought in or it has to be store-bought. Got to be, got to be sealed. So the candy thing kind of reminds me of, you know, that the story about this doesn't really go along with anything, but never talk to strangers. Uh-huh. And I just have to bring this up. There was a little girl in the store the other day and she uh, asked me what my name was and I told her and she kept calling me Miss Amber oh. and her name was Natalie and she kept talking to me. And then um, her mom said she's never met a stranger and she thinks as long as she introduces herself and you introduce, you know, you tell her your name that you guys aren't strangers anymore and it's perfectly fine to talk to you. Oh. But it was cute. Well, you know, unfortunately, 
there are you know the bad no pun intended no the bad apples out there mm-hmm. that you know that take advantage of those kind of situations yep. um but there are, you know are good people still out there obviously like us yep but um you know that I can't tell you how many times we've carried on conversations with kids in the stores, right, you know, yeah. so, uh, you know, which all ends up with, where's your parents, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but the parents usually seem like they don't have a problem with their kids talking I to, know. you know, which is sometimes alarming. And I'm like, I'm that person like drive, like just yesterday when we were going down the road, I'm like, oh, I really hope that there's somebody out there watching that kid. Oh yeah. Cause she was like, there was a dog. She was playing with the dog and I'm like, if that dog goes in the road, she's going to follow the dog in the road. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but going to the candy thing, I'm the I'm the parent when we're at a parade or something and I'm like, Hey, go get me uh you know, go get me those Skittles, you know? And right. yeah. <laughs> like if I see that they got a good candy and you know, trick or treating, I'm like, I get that. Well that's you know, mine. <laughs> and that's the thing, whenever you get home you check it all, you let them have some and then you're like, Nope, you gotta put it up for the night. As soon as they go to bed when the candy comes uh-huh. back out. Yep. I'm digging through there getting my favorite thing yep. out. And then the next morning, I could have swore I had one of these. Like, oh, no, didn't see that oh, no. in there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's all I've got. I mean, hey, yeah, me too. We're back, though. So that's the important thing. Yeah. We're I, back I like for, for fall and the season Halloween two. season. So I'm excited. Season two. I don't know if we'll have one next week because it is Halloween. It is not. This is the third oh, time. Oh, man. Third. No, we got Guys, two weeks. This is the third time he has skipped over my birthday weekend. <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that is not my fault. Um, that uh, I keep thinking next weekend's Halloween for some reason. But, yeah, so we probably will be back then. Yeah, maybe. We'll try to figure yeah. out a new one. If you guys have uh, any suggestions or anything, hit us up on social media. Mm-hmm. Let yep. us know what you guys want to hear about. Just message us on uh, Facebook, yep. Quad State Paranormal. Yep, there, Instagram. So we always check it. Yep. All right, well, that's this all I got. This was a fun one. I <laughs> had a good time. And uh, it's good to be back, though. It's good to be back recording. Thanks for listening to us. Hope you're having an awesome weekend and that you have a great week. All right, see you later, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.